This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. I've actually just finished or just halfway through Mark Manson's new book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And, and I agree with so much of the stuff in there. And one of the concepts that's come up a lot for me in my work is people getting so worked up and, and so much pain about not having a purpose, not having meaning, and, and the amount of suffering they go through because of this. So I wanted to address this one today. I wanted to have a slightly counterintuitive look at what it means to have purpose. Um, and in particular, that, that wording, to look from having a purpose to living with purpose and kind of changing the mindset of that. So I don't know where we'll go today exactly. I made a few notes in that, but I just want to see what happens when we explore this concept that we call purpose and meaning and the, the pain and suffering we experience as a result of feeling that these are absent from our lives. So I want you to, to have a look at your own life in terms of how meaningful it is to you, whatever that word means. Let's, uh, let's have a look at defining what does it mean to have meaning or a purpose. I want to start by having a look at the common perception of it. You see this, it's all through the self-development, self-help industry, this advertising on helping you find your purpose and your meaning. Like it's this one mission that you're going to accomplish in your lifetime. This thing that you were built to do and programmed to do. Now, full disclosure, this is something I used to advocate quite strongly myself. This idea that there's this one thing. Um, because I used to believe it. And it wasn't an unhelpful belief as such. But in some ways it was unhelpful in that it gave me the impression that I should be able to find this one thing. And if I can't find that one thing, I've basically failed. And I saw this, you know, similar to the idea of the one in terms of relationships, like out of the seven, whatever, seven billion people on the planet, there's just one for you and you have to find them. Whereas actually looking for deep and meaningful connections is a much healthier approach to relationships. So looking for a purpose is going to be heartbreaking for you. Looking to create purpose and meaning in your life, slightly different approach may be much more helpful. So you've got to ask ourselves, is purpose a mission or is it a sensation? Is it something we're doing, this one thing, this big goal, or is it the feeling we get when we're engaged in a goal like that? You know, this speaks to a much broader issue that I see in my work with people is that we get attached to something external because of the internal sensational reward we get from it. And we think that that thing creates the reward rather than understanding a different process might be happening in reaction to the thing. So to make this more clear, a lot of people pursue money because they're so used to feeling good when they have a lot of money and feeling bad when they don't have much. They have this kind of generalized belief around money. Like when I see a lot of money in my bank account, I get this good feeling. Therefore, money makes me feel good. And when I look at my bank account and I see it's negative, whatever, and I feel bad, that's, that's the sign. Money is directly cause and effect relationship with how I feel. And yes, you can be broke and unaware of it and you're fine. 
you know, there'll be times where your money's missing from your bank account and you don't know about it and you're out with friends having fun. You don't know that you're broke and you feel great. So it's the awareness of being broke that led to you feeling down. And that's where we've got to see, ah, the money itself is not the issue. If the money itself was the issue, then as soon as my bank account went down, it wouldn't require any awareness from me. I'd be hurt by it. It's like physical health. If physical health goes down, I know about it immediately. You know, I, I will uh, feel sensations to do with it. That's why I'd say health is a value of mine. But money is not a value. Now, I'm going to go all over the place in this section. There's going to be no clear objective. But the reason I'm going into money is because money is like purpose. People think I've got to have this purpose. And so they'll become emotionally attached to, say, one particular career. And they'll think that must be the one because when I'm doing that, I feel good. And when I'm not doing that, I feel bad. Therefore, that is my purpose. And, you know, what I'd like you to do is to stop oversimplifying it like that and start to look at when do you feel meaning? Now, this is a really difficult question to answer. First, because what is the feeling of having meaning? What is going on there? And we're going to explore that today we're going to have a look at what it actually means to feel meaningful to feel purposeful feel like the thing you're doing has a point to it and digging deeper below the idea of it having a purpose having a point to actually just how did this create a sensation in me what is that process how can i replicate i think that the, the biggest thing like when i first started i decided that my in this job i decided that my purpose was coaching now that's really setting me up to fail because if my purpose is to be a coach what would happen if say i was in an accident and i lost my ability to speak or listen how would that affect my ability to be a coach this identity a purpose a identity we can see this you know i want to be a millionaire like that's a purpose but it's not. It's, it's a title that you made up. It's something that requires you to be a certain physical nature. And if that nature was to change, you'd lose your purpose. If something was to happen to me so that I can't talk to people, my purpose of being a coach would be taken away from me, be stripped. For those of you familiar with this Brojo kind of approach, we always look to values which cannot be taken away from you. If something can be taken away from you, it is not a value. So the idea that me being a coach is my purpose, I'm looking at it slightly skewed. What's really happening is when I coach, I feel purposeful. That's where I need to begin. When I'm engaged in the act of coaching and when I talk about coaching and when I'm involved in it in whatever way, I feel a sense of meaning. Now, one way to describe the sense of meaning is to look for what is absent when it occurs. I've got my next book, Nothing to Lose, and in that book I talk about the meaning of life. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek chapter about the meaning of life. But one of the things that I really like to look at there is, I guess, this concept that when I'm really deeply engaged in something, the question, what is the meaning of life, simply doesn't occur to me. When I'm really deeply involved in something, when I am balls deep in something, when I'm really focused and engaged, 
questioning what's the point, why am I doing this, that doesn't even happen. It's absent. So the first question I have for you guys is I want you to start thinking about what points in your life or what activities do you find yourself completely absent of asking why am I doing this? What do you occur that you get so deeply engaged in that it doesn't even occur to you to question the meaning? It feels so purposeful that there's just no doubt coming up for you. It doesn't mean you'll always be doubtless when you're engaged in a meaningful act, but it's just a starting point to start looking at what does it mean to have meaning in your life? How do you create it? And that leads me really to the main point. What we're going to be talking about today is creating meaning, not finding it. It's like the difference between looking at creating connections rather than finding the one in terms of relationships. So often we're looking for a purpose, like it's something we're going to lift up a rock and go, fuck, there it is. I've looked under the bed and everything that's been hiding under this rock, there's my purpose. You're not going to find it that way. It's not a thing to be found. There are, however, moments in your life when you have such a meaningful engagement in the activity or the process or the whatever, the goal, that you get no insecurity, no neuroticism about the meaning of life. It doesn't occur to you to ask. Now, this can be easily misunderstood. For example, orgasm. Very few people question the meaning of life in the middle of an orgasm. It's one of those few external reward type sensations that most people enjoy. You know, it's kind of like a universal agreement on it. There are some exceptions, of course. But most people, in the middle of an orgasm, they're not going, what's the point of living? You know, the orgasm itself is the point. The problem with an orgasm is because it seems like that's the only time I really feel like I'm doing something important, we end up chasing sex. We've been taught to to seek meaningful feelings, and quite often we can mistake something that felt good as being meaningful. Now, this is where it can get really confusing. Like, like I said, if you look at your bank account and it feels good to see big numbers there, it's kind of like a little mental orgasm. In your search for a purpose, you go, well, that felt good. Maybe that's it. In your search for validation, that moment you orgasm with a partner, you think, well, I feel completely validated right now. This must be that. You know, in your search for security, you see that big bank account, big number in your bank account, you think, I feel secure right now. This must be my purpose to make this happen. So I want you, if you guys are looking to do sort of practical exercises as we go through, I want you to start creating a table, like split down the middle. One side you have activities that are very meaningful for you, where you lose all doubt about the meaning of life. And on the other side is you have rewarding sensations that appear to be the meaning, but are just a distraction. So this you might have, you know, a big big paycheck, an orgasm. Let's say you, you want to find meaning through connecting with people. It won't just be the orgasm you enjoyed. It would be the entire process of talking, getting to know them, and so on. Now, if you found that process kind of stressful, you were constantly trying to get to that orgasm, you can see how you lost the opportunity to create meaning. 
let's say I've decided that my purpose is to sleep with as many people as possible. I'm only going to feel like that purpose is being filled when I orgasm, or at least during sex. However, if I look to instead create meaning and purpose as often as possible, within whatever context is happening, then during, say, the dating process, I'm going to be deeply fascinated and engaged with the person all the way through, even if I never sleep with them. And the whole time I'll find meaning in that. There's a great movie I just uh, watched, the old, old, old movie, I think it's 93 it's from, uh, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray. And uh, in that movie, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? Um, you know, the guy repeats the same day over and over. Every day he wakes up, it's the same day. I mean, he can't die or anything. And at first he just, first he's confused, and then he kind of goes on a bender. Like, he just uses this opportunity to just try and get laid and steal heaps of money and just, like, live it up and eat heaps of food and stuff like that because he can't be harmed. And that's how a lot of people live. They're very hedonistic. We try to feel like life is meaningful by getting as many pleasurable sensations as possible. I'm just realizing how deep Groundhog Day is. And then he goes through a depressing period. God, this is a deep movie. It really is. He goes through a depressing period where he's just like, all this hedonistic reward isn't what it's cracked up to me. I still don't love life. I'm not satisfied with this repeating the same day situation. He starts trying to die. He starts trying to kill himself, but he can't. Every time he dies, he just wakes up the next day. You know? So he goes through this really depressing period where he can't enjoy anything. And then he, somebody comes and influences him into sort of, understanding that oh that's what it is the woman in the movie he's inspired by her because she's so lovely he calls it nice and he realizes at least at a very basic level he has an insight that she gets a lot of meaning from her life from from being nice from you know doing good things and so he starts trying to do that and the movie changes so every day he goes and gets the same piano lesson and becomes like a masterful piano player he goes around and gets to know everybody every day so that he can become like really deeply connected to them. He saves people's lives and stuff because he knows they're going to die. He goes through this process of, of kind of trying to do as much good deeds by his own values as he can every day, even though it's the repeat every day. He repeats these good deeds and tries to improve on them. And he stops feeling depressed about his situation. He starts to enjoy it. Here he is repeating the same day over and over again. Now he's enjoying it because he's making the most out of every single moment. He gets up and gets into it every day, even though it's the same day, the repetition of mundane. Now that's one of the things we're going to be looking at later in this session is how to turn mundane experiences into meaningful experiences. But that movie, I'm just freaking out about how epic that movie is now as I just reflect on it. It really demonstrates you are essentially in this Groundhog Day experience just going through the motions of living. Everybody is. You're hoping to find something that will just provide you with constant satisfaction, a sense that you're significant, a sense that what you're doing is important and meaningful. But it's not something you're going to find, it's something you're going to create. Either you can get up every day and go and look for pleasurable sensations, or you can get up every day and try to create meaning based on your values. And that's what we're going to be trying to un unpack today. So the reason I've kind of done this big spiel about what meaning is, is because if you're here to look for a purpose, I will be a coach, I will be a leader, I will be a role model. These titles, these identities, in my belief, you're not going to find it. 
you're just going to find an endless struggle, which is life. One of the things, okay, so one of the things I did when I first started my journey around trying to figure out what confidence was and how to create it for myself, I, I realized that I had this big problem with validation. I needed other people to tell me I was a good boy in order to feel good about myself. And I wanted, if nothing else, I wanted to deal with that. I wanted to be able to be self-validated. So I set to answer the question, what would it mean for me to feel confident in a world where no one could validate me? You know, what would I need to do? How would I need to live? If, say, everybody else in the world died, how would I need to live to still enjoy my life? That's, you know, that was what led me on the path. Now, what also led me on the path in terms of, of meaning and connecting that with values is understanding how could I have meaning in my life no matter what happens to me. So if I ended up tetraplegic, if I ended up unable to move my body by myself, how would I create meaningful life in that situation? If I was in prison, if I got wrongly accused of murder, or rightfully accused, who knows what I'm going to do, right? And I get thrown in prison for the rest of my life, locked down 23 hours a day, how would I create meaning in that existence? I'm not saying I'll definitely be able to do it, but that was the question I wanted to answer. I wanted to make sure that my life was as rewarding as possible without needing anything to happen, without relying on anything external. All I need to do is be alive, and the rest is up to me. There's this kind of responsibility thing going on here. So this is, this is what we're going to be looking at today, how to create that. Now, the first thing we had to look at is how to avoid the distractions that look like that. So let's have a look. We're going to have a look at what. how do you know when you're doing something meaningful? How do you know when meaning is being created? How do you replicate that? But first, I want to look at the opposite. I want to look at the benchmark, the perspective we can use to know the difference between living with meaning and not, particularly that most biggest distracting rewarding sensations that we talked about. So one of the key things here is look at your life and what do you feel rewards you? What do you chase? Now, this is a key thing here, the chase. The idea that you're not there yet, you have to go and get the thing. That the thing will require this kind of build-up process, which is not enjoyable or not meaningful, and then the meaning will occur. So if this is in Korea, you might think, I want to be the CEO. My purpose is to be the CEO. So everything until the CEO is just work. It's just it's just effort. There's, there's not a deep sense of meaning. It's more of a frustrating, can't wait to get through this chore. So I can finally get to that goal. You can get the same thing with, with money. This idea that like you're just waiting for the paycheck. You're just waiting for the weekend. This thing that you're not feeling it now, but you think you will feel it when X occurs. So that's a big warning sign. The idea that meaning is going to come once you cross a certain finish line. This one is really dangerous. And we're all taught to believe this from a very early age. We're taught that ultimately our entire goal in life is to retire. Our purpose, essentially, is to get to a point where there is no effort anymore. For some reason, retirement sold as a reward, which I do not understand at all. It sounds fucking terrifying to me. The idea that eventually you won't have to do anything, that's the purpose. And, and this trickles out and filters into all the things that we do. We keep looking to cross a finish line. And everything up to that finish line is meaningless. Anything that happens before that is without purpose. It's unimportant. 
it might be something important in terms of it contributes to crossing that finish line, but the actual sense of meaning and purpose during it, you don't feel. You're waiting for that meaning and purposeful feeling to come after you cross whatever the line is, after you win. So there's some key warning signs. One is that need to please, approval seeking. So anything where you're looking like your purpose will be decided and assessed by someone else. Where someone will tell you, yes, you are officially this now. For example, if you think my purpose is to be an Olympic athlete, then you have to get to the Olympics to be to have a purpose. And that's decided by other people. You don't get to just walk into the Olympics and walk up to the start line like, I'm in this one, guys. Write my name down on the, on the blackboard there. It doesn't work that way. Somebody else has to approve of it. So if that's a factor, then it can't be a purpose because it's out of your control. And until you are the Olympic athlete, you won't have any sense of purpose. It'll just be this frustrating climb. Now, that doesn't mean to say that a goal can't help you with being purposeful, but we're going to look at that in a different way later on. So approval seeking. So you might think it's it's my my mission in life to, to sleep with as many people as possible. That means people have to sleep with you. That means they have to enjoy you sexually. And that's a big ask. You know, yes, you can learn how to manipulate people into doing that, but that means until you orgasm, you know, until you get them, it doesn't count. Everything's just a chore to get to the purpose. So have a look at your life now. What are you looking at that you consider is possibly purposeful, but it's just a stepping stone? It's not actually there yet. That's a big warning sign. So that's it. So you're looking at the process being irrelevant. The outcome is all that matters. External measurement is required. External approval is required. These are all things that look like purpose, but they're a mirage. Because what happens is when you get there, is you find another goalpost. You cross the line, and that feeling of purpose and meaning comes, but it doesn't stay. Mark Manson's new book, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, he talks about the idea that whatever you achieve, it just becomes your next problem. You know, so you think, okay, my purpose is to be the CEO. And you get to CEO, and you're like, straight away, for a start, it turns out to be a bigger hassle than you thought it was going to be. And secondly, you start to think, well, maybe I could, I could own two businesses. You're automatically going to be dissatisfied with, your, with, with, with whatever result you get. You're programmed to be dissatisfied. So trying to create a purpose, you're only going to get a temporary satisfaction at best. You guys think my purpose is to sleep with a hundred different people. You get to number one hundred, you're gonna be yes, I did it. Ten days later, you're gonna be like, now what the fuck do I do with my life? That that feeling won't last. And you know this, you've already tried it. I did a similar thing, I was I was climbing up in my career on corrections, thinking there was some arbitrary point I'd get to eventually I felt like I had purpose. But every promotion, the doubt grew even more because each promotion only had a short half-life of satisfaction to it. It wasn't long before that great promotion I got was just my job. And I realized, shit, it doesn't do the trick. And the next one's not going to do it, and neither will the one after that. I started to realize I was chasing the wrong thing. So let's have a look at what it means to really be living with meaning, to create meaning. Well, we've already nailed a couple of the key points, one of those being presence and engagement. 
when you're trying to achieve a purpose, when you're going to something in the future, you're future focused. You're not here and now. You're always looking ahead. You're worried about the past as it didn't contribute. You haven't made enough progress yet, etc. There's very little time and energy spent on now. One of the ways to think about creating meaning is that one of the metaphors or analogies I like to use is the idea of surfing. A lot of people I know who are into surfing talk about it like it is their god. You know, surfing is all. And I've heard this with a few other few other activities, especially extreme sports. People feel a great sense of meaning and purpose when they're, when they're doing them. They just love them. Even if they suck at it, they love it. It's another warning, uh, another key sign that, that you may have found a meaningful thing is that you love it even if you suck at it by other people's standards. And so I looked at it, well, what is, what is it about surfing? Because I've done surfing and I didn't like it. And I realized, well, for some people, it's how they connect. I thought about it, you're on the top of this wave. You're just about to go down the face of the wave. Life and death situation, pretty much, you know. You could drown or get shredded across the coral or whatever. But there's no time to worry about that. You can't think about it. You just have to give all of your focus and attention and energy to how you surf this wave. as your only option at that point. You don't actually have any room left in your mind to question the meaning of life. If you were to be distracted for just one second, you're done. The wave will destroy you. I get a similar thing with snowboarding, but uh, sometimes I get a bit too anxious snowboarding that I'm going to hurt myself because I've had too many big injuries. But, you know, this idea, it's just, it's just you in the snow. It's just you in the wave. Nothing else matters. That's a sense of meaning. Nothing else matters than right now. Mark Manson's book, again, he was talking about how eventually, as you get older, the meaning of life becomes perfecting your golf swing. You know, it becomes these seemingly unimportant things on paper, but for you, they're deeply satisfying. And so the idea is, what's that thing you do when you're all in? Because we're going to be looking at this creating meaning thing from two angles. One is how to find more activities that you are naturally engaged in, and also how to engage yourself more so that you don't need those activities. The combination of the two will develop a deeply meaningful life. So we're looking for something that's going to bring your focus to the present moment so strongly and so deeply that it gives you meaning and takes away all doubt about meaning, about purpose. We're looking for something that when you're done, the meaning continues in your satisfaction. So when you're done surfing, you're walking up the beach, the sense of meaning doesn't dissipate, it actually keeps going because you go, I'm so glad I went for a surf today. Your reflection doesn't fill you with regret, it fills you with satisfaction. I think a lot of people into self-development, they get really obsessed with going to the gym or working out because it's such a present and engaging experience going to the gym. You know, for you to do your pull-ups or whatever, or you've got, especially bench press, something coming down on top of you, it's like being on top of that wave, you have to focus. And then afterwards you're tired and sore and everything, and you know you've done something good for yourself. It's something aligned with your values, it's something good for your health. It's that satisfaction you get from even completing it. I often, after the gym, like I'm not a huge bodybuilder or anything, but after the gym, the next day I'm always sore as fuck because I overdo it all the time. But I like that soreness. I get satisfaction when I get up like, oh, God, and I can't move my legs. There's a satisfaction in that. I feel like I've done something good with my life. 
but what does going to the gym have to do with having a big impact on the world? It's not purpose in the sense that we're taught. Like, going to the gym for yourself is not a purpose, but it's about purposeful. You feel like you've been doing something good with your life, even if it affects no one else. It doesn't have to have that deep impact. You know, you're the hero of the world thing. You don't need anyone else to be impressed by you. You just feel like you're doing something good with your time. And ultimately, so what we're talking about here is values. For you to find meaning in your life, you've got to be in touch with your values first and foremost. You've got to extrapolate out from your value to find activities that suit it. And this is one of the key principles to creating meaning, regardless of your situation, is that at any given day, how you live by your value can change. So you need to break the rules of this all the time. See, me being a coach isn't really about me being a coach. It's about me being honest. It's about me being courageous. It's about me being compassionate. It's about me being curious. These are all values. Acceptance. These are all values that I hold really strongly and highly. And being a coach allows me to engage in those. However, at any given point, if I'm unable to be a coach, I can do it in other ways. I'm writing a book, that's another way I can do it. So if I lost my ability to speak, I'll probably just do more writing. As long as I'm being honest and courageous and assertive and all those things that I take pride in. Cut off my arms. I'm no longer able to write or coach. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> but there should be an answer to that. I'd have to go, well, what does it mean to be honest and courageous and so on right now? Probably go work at like trying to do some sort of physical therapy for people who are like me, you know, and help them out. There's always going to be a way for me to live by my values, but there won't always be a way for me to be a coach. Now, so what we've got here is we've got living by the values, and then we're going to look for activities that feel valuable and meaningful for you, and look to combine this back and forth, back and forth. And so you can do it every day, and you can also do it on a long-term basis. So I can wake up today and go, what would it mean to be honest today? And as I was going out there being honest, I'd feel meaningful. But I can also look at what would be an honest career for me? What would be an honest way for me to manage my health? What would be an honest relationship? These longevity things that can't be taken away from me, but allow me to sort of solidify meaning in my life more than having to like figure it out every single day. For example, my, my career as a coach and author, it really just facilitates me to live by my values. Like all I got to do is go to work and my values are just on board. You know, it's really, it's a values-based career. Now, I have to keep checking in to make sure it still is. But as long as, as it is, it makes it easier for me. I don't have to think it through every day. So we're going to have a look at that. So we're going now on the assumption that you already have looked at the values episode for this. You've figured out what some of your values are. So we're going to focus more on that creating purposeful activities. One of the key things here that really gives us purpose is solving problems. There's something about our insecurity, our dissatisfaction that's actually really helpful. It's something that contributes to our adaptability and our evolution. Our constant need, our, I call it curiosity as a value, to solve problems. It gives us a sense of progress. It gives us a sense of life developing. The problems you're solving now are so much different to the problems you're solving when you're three years old. And the problems you'll be solving in 10 years are going to be different to the ones now. You don't actually need to get to a point where there are no problems. You just need to find meaningful problems. And in particular, understanding you have never at any point in your life been problem-free. Ever. You might have had a couple of good days or even weeks where things seem to go your way. But you're still solving problems all day long. And this idea of seeking up purpose comes from that 
the attachment we have to the belief that there's also a problem-free existence available for us somewhere out there in the future, that one day we won't have any problems left. I would encourage you instead to look at the idea that actually problems are where you gain your meaning from. The solving of problems is where you really gain satisfaction. Now this is different because there is both a masculine and a feminine to problem solving. The masculine is like fixing something, solving a problem that way. Whereas the feminine is like unveiling the truth, unveiling the truth, sorry. Like uh, getting to know someone better, that kind of problem solving. So we have both feminine and masculine in us and we're going to probably going to be predisposed toward one or the other. It doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl necessarily, but you're either going to be more satisfaction from solving the fix-it type problems or satisfaction from solving the find-out type problems. Yeah, More information, wisdom, or, you know, or more efficiency, progress. I'm a, I'm, I, I find satisfaction in both. I find more satisfaction in problem-solving, fixing type stuff. And so one of the ways to figure out what would be a purposeful, say, a career or a purposeful set of activities for you to keep getting involved in is to look at what problem do you want to solve the most. When you look out into the world and all those things that piss you off, all those things that really wind you up, which is the biggest one? Beyond all the petty day-to-day -day bullshit, you know, someone cutting you off in traffic or having to wait in the queue or somebody not listening to you, not that kind of stuff, but the deeper core problems. When you look at the world and go, if I had an option, I could push a button and one problem would disappear, what would that button be? This is where you can have some really pessimistic fun and write down a list of everything you hate, everything, you know, that bothers you. I want you to look at everything that causes you pain not just you, but the pain you see the rest of the world suffering from as well. Like for me, when I really dive deep into this, it took me hours and hours, days of work to figure out the answer for this. It was confidence. It was my biggest problem. And it was everybody else's biggest problem. That's how I saw the world. That's how I still see the world. You know, most of my suffering and dissatisfaction came from confidence issues. And when I look around, most of the shitty behavior that I see in other people comes from confidence issues. All the manipulation and the neediness and the trying to get and the trying to impress people stuff, that all comes from confidence issues. And all of my own validation seeking and overachieving and all the other bullshit I did due to a suffering and anxiety came from trying to be more confident. So that became the big problem I wanted to solve. I wanted to spend my life trying to answer the question, what does it mean to be confident? How do you do that? And I see even now I'm only scratching the surface. You know, we found something very interesting about values, and there's a billion more problems for me to solve in that area. Relationships, God, there's trillions of problems to be solved there. I've got my whole life laid out ahead of me with so many problems for me to try and get stuck into. Like I just feel a deep sense of meaning in the idea that I'm never going to run out of work. Now, I did hit a bit of an existential crisis when I look out the world and I think, I want to solve the problem of confidence. And then immediately I realized I'm not going to. I'm not. No matter how big my influence is, even if I became like Tony Robbins times 10 influencer, humans are so needy and insecure and fucked up and overpopulated that I'm going to be a drip in the ocean. You know, I'm going to have a tiny dent effect on the overall issue. 
So for me to have my purpose in actually solving the confidence issue, that's not going to go very far for me. My purpose has to come from trying to solve it. The act of solving, not the completion of solved. And that's why I want you to think about the problems you want to solve. It isn't about actually solving them. It's about trying to. The satisfaction you get from getting stuck into it. You see this like uh, quite often, in my experience, tradesmen, they find it a lot easier to create meaning in their life than many others because they work with their hands and the problems they solve are right there in front of them. They're boom, solved. And you can see this with guys, particularly I know a few guys who are into cars. They like to build cars. They'll finish building a car. It'll take them years fucking around, you know. They, they always make it take way longer and cost way more than it needs to. And they'll finish the car, and then I almost immediately just sell it and start a new car. They get no real satisfaction in the finished product. They get satisfaction in the problem solving. And that's what I want you to look at. What is the problem that you're happy to keep on solving, no matter how big it is, no matter how little effect you actually have on it in the long-term future? It's just the act of solving it really brings you satisfaction. You know, where does it bring out the strength in you? Now, where do you have to put what you are to work, your values? If you're strongly honest, where does being honest have a big impact on a problem that you can't stand? If you're a courageous person, where does being brave solve problems? What would you need to do to help solve that problem? You know, and if you can do that with the mindset of me just getting stuck into it, chipping away at the massive iceberg that I'll never completely demolish, I enjoy the chipping. That idea. So I want you guys to start having a look at that and, and to start separating that from the idea of achieving some result as a form of purpose, being a thing as a form of purpose. Instead, look to bring meaning. Which brings us to that last point I mentioned earlier. Is that's all well and good. You find some sort of career that's you solving the big problem you want to solve. Or you build a relationship where you're living by your values and deeply and meaningfully engaged with somebody, you know, involved in the relationship to be honest and be courageous or whatever. What about doing the dishes? What about the chores? What about being stuck in traffic? What about all those situations that basically just kind of suck and just seem to be a transition from one thing to the next? Being in a plane, you know, your mission is to get to that country you're flying to, but being in a plane is just this thing you've got to get through. So it's like a forced thing that you have to experience. You want to go out and live and do this great job, but you've got to do the dishes because you can't let them pile up. How do we get meaning in these activities? Well, let's get back again to the core of meaning. Presence, engagement, satisfaction. How do we engage in something meaningfully in a way that we'll be satisfied with? Now, what's, what's kind of ironic here is you don't need to worry too much about the satisfaction because it comes usually from the being presently engaged. If you presently engage yourself on something, you're usually proud of yourself afterwards. You feel satisfied, and you usually do good work, so you'll be satisfied with the results also. Let's have a look. I like to use the example of washing the dishes. It's a totally mundane task. It's something, no matter how often you do it, you've got to do it again. It's this kind of thing that you can just never really finish. And it just seems to get in the way all the time. It's in between you and your next big thing. There's a story I read. I'm not sure exactly how true it is, but it was about a, a wannabe Buddhist monk. Uh, he went to live somewhere high in the hills in some hidden sacred monastery. And he got there and he's like, look, I've learned all the martial arts. You know, I, uh, I can do all this great stuff. I can run 
10 miles without sweating. I am meditating five hours a day. I'm, I'm your guy. Hire me, you know, bring me on board. Give me the training. And they looked at him and they thought, oh, you, you barely started, mate. You barely started. And he said, well, what do you mean? He's like, no, you're not even a beginner. You're a novice, complete novice. And he's, of course, his pride was deeply wounded by this. And he's like, what are you talking about? And look, I can do a handstand for fucking five hours and hold my breath underwater for ten minutes. And they said, no, you got to start again from the beginning. And there was this tree in the middle of the monastery. The monastery is essentially a large cave in the mountain. And there's a tree growing in the middle. It's a sacred tree. And they made him kneel in front of the tree. And they gave him the stack of rice paper, pieces of rice paper. And the, the head monk says, I want you to crumple up this piece of paper and smooth it out again. And then crumple it up and then smooth it out again. And when you keep doing that until it's dust, I want you to get the next piece of paper and I want you to crumple up and smooth it out again. And so he did this. He thought, okay, I'll do the training. He's on his knees and he starts crumpling up, smoothing out again. They made him do it for nearly 10 months, if I recall correctly. And he documented his experiences. And what he talked about is that first 10 months was just agony, torture. He just couldn't stand it. You know, he was just this kind of the mundanity, if that's a word, of it. Just drove him to near insanity. He did this all day from dawn to dusk. You know, he did nothing but this. He wasn't allowed to talk to anyone else there. He wasn't allowed to engage in any other activity other than eating and going to his bathroom. It was just sleep, get up, roll paper. He dreamed about rolling paper, crumpling paper. He had nothing but crumpling paper, but he said what he noticed after 10 months. Something different. He started to notice things. He could hear the birds out in the valley. He could smell different tastes on the wind. He could notice through the corner of his eye all sorts of different shapes. The, the bark of the tree in front of him became this rich tapestry of different shapes and colors and shades. And eventually his awareness just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And through the act of crumpling and smoothing out the paper, his focus just grew. And he eventually got to the point where crumpling and smoothing out the paper was too stimulating for him. There's so much going on, he could barely focus on crumpling and, and smoothing out the paper. He could hear every noise, smell every smell, taste, sense, everything. It's so much going on, just this rich experience. So something's mundane and crumpling the paper became something he looked forward to, something that was almost overwhelmingly meaningful for him. It gave him a great sense of connection. And it's in this story, and it's a story I like to keep in mind, when I'm doing something like doing the dishes, how can I focus on it so intently that my awareness broadens out and I get a sense of being alive? One of the ways to do this is to focus on the task itself as if it is the only task you're ever going to do, and it is your meaning in life. It's that kind of as if type process. So I can look at washing the dishes as like, oh, I've got to get through the dishes. Or it can be like, pick up the fork and be like, this fork is going to be fucking clean by the time I'm done with it. This bowl, you're going to be able to fucking serve this bowl in the, the fussiest hospital in the world when I'm done. You clean the shit out of these dishes. You make it a full-on experience and you bathe in the heat of the water, the sounds and sensations around you. You really focus on this moment. And you say, nothing matters until these dishes are done to perfection. Nothing matters until I've given my all to doing these dishes. And it's the same thing like if you're stuck in traffic 
you'd be like, right, what do I need to do to make this the most meaningful, rewarding experience possible for me right now? How do I make getting stuck in traffic not something that I dread, but something I look forward to? How do I turn the thing that I can't stand the most into my most enjoyable activity? You know, a lot of people use getting stuck in traffic as a chance to listen to audiobooks. It becomes their time away, their self-development time. They actually look forward to their drive because they've made it a meaningful time for them. I used to practice some um, speeches. You know, the kind of talking I do on these, the reason I can freestyle is because I spend a lot of time talking myself in traffic. There's so many ways that you can make an experience meaningful if you stop seeing it as a chore that's in the way, as you actually see it as part of the process of living. And understanding one day when you're old and decrepit and weak, it's going to be those activities that give your life meaning. Going for a walk will be a big deal to you when you're 90. Doing the dishes will become a central part of your day when you're that old. But you can make that happen now. You can come to the point in understanding and realize that if you never became the big, famous, wealthy superstar, whatever the fuck, you can still have a meaningful life. You don't actually need any of that. And none of that will guarantee you any sense of meaning anyway. You can live a quiet, ordinary life that nobody notices and yet be deeply enriched with meaning throughout the entire process. And next door to you, the millionaire who's having a big impact is all over the TV, still just suffering from that outcome-driven anxiety all the time, never really finding satisfaction with meaning, always looking to the next thing. Looking to get to the problem being solved rather than embracing the solving of the problem. So that was a bit of a meandering all over the place kind of a chat. I just wanted to, to blurt out and spew up my thoughts on meaning and purpose. I hope you found it somewhere and there's something to use the key points i want to make is meaning is about something you create it is a sensation that comes from you actively engaging presently in the moment some tasks if they're aligned with your values it's going to be easier to get that present engagement going and to actively look to remove and avoid those instant gratification good feeling type activities that aren't really meaningful, they just give you a good feeling. So see how you go with that. Feel free to send any questions you have around this into me, dan at brojo.co.nz. And of course, if you really want help to get a deeper meaningful process going, um, you can get in touch with me for one-to-one -one coaching. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, my next book, Nothing to Lose, is all about this. So get yourself a copy of that, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. For Bojo Online. Cheers.